Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. My name is Christy, this is my husband Dustin, and this is our little girl Ruby June. Today's scripture reading is 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 12 through 22. But these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like beasts they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to cruise in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. This is the word of the Lord. Great job. Thank you, guys. That was a lot of content. Anybody else like, holy cow, Christy, you get like an extra star today for reading all that. So thanks for doing that. Uh, glad you're with us today. Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles, we're again in Second Peter chapter 2, and I promise we will finish by the end of the year. And uh, the good news is, if you have uh, been tracking with us over the last couple months, uh, in this year, just by coming to church, you've read all of First Peter and all of Second Peter. That's like an accomplishment. I'm pumped for you. I'm pumped for myself. Uh, it's a great opportunity. So it's a fun topic today. We Last week we talked about the, this idea of false prophets. And, and what it is, is it's a false teacher. It's someone who is there to lead us astray. And uh, we kind of walk through this. And most of us, if you're like me, most people don't ever want to get duped. Does everybody know what I mean by duped? Yes, tricked, whatever is. I think we said back in Baltimore, hoodwinked. I, there's all kinds of different phrases that all kinds of different things, right? Okay, so we're going to practice something. So everybody just get ready. Uh, I, I just want to wake us up because we're going to work together through a couple things this morning. Okay, first one is, if you have uh, a hand, I need you to raise your dominant hand. 
Go ahead. Raise your dominant hand. Good. All right, good. We're working through it. That's great. All right, you can put them down. Because we're going to walk through a couple of things. Because I think, how many of us can think of a situation where basically you were either led astray or you kind of just, there's a situation where you know someone duped you? Are you like me? One of you. Okay, good. All right, so I'll tell you mine. One of many, I have a lot. I tend to be slightly naive sometimes, and maybe I think too much. Uh, But we were uh, just in our house. We had this huge tree in our backyard. It was right in the middle. We loved it, but it had to go. And so we gained, uh, got a recommendation from a family member of a person that could take this tree down. So we're like, okay. And it was like 600 bucks, a huge tree. And all we did to do is put it on the ground. We'd get it from there. Really nice thing. It worked out great. My, uh, the person who gave us the recommendation was like, yeah, did a great work, all this kind of stuff. So uh, we had him over. Uh, we got them. He, we agreed on a price. It was a great deal. Uh, so he starts work. He would brought a friend. And with an hour or two uh, that they started working, his friend was like, hey, I need to go. And I was like, all right. So I gave, he was like, hey, do you mind if I give him some money out of the money right now and he can go? I said, sure. And I was like, all right. So then um, in that process, it was about lunchtime. And uh, we sat down, we had lunch together. We talked about foster care. We had all these moments. We had this great meal together, all this kind of stuff. It was great conversation. Uh, And then he'd only gotten like a couple of the big limbs down. And uh, he kind of goes, okay, I should probably get back to work. He goes out. Within an hour, he's like, hey, my chainsaw broke. I, I, do you mind? Like, uh, I need a couple dollars to fix it. Uh, he's like, do you mind if I take the rest of the money and go home? And I'll get, come back and finish it. I was like, ah, sure, no problem. He never came back. <laughs> never came back, not even for a little bit. And most of us, if you're like me, you're shaking your head. You're like, you dummy, you fell for it, right? I called him. I Facebook stalked him. I did all kinds of things. We, I was like, I'm going to ple- uh, report you to the better business. Bur- I don't know. I was saying all kinds of ridiculous things, hoping to get some of the money back. Now, and the best part was the shame from getting duped was almost as bad as the money that I gave them. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? The shame of the whole thing would keep me from it. And here's the truth of the matter. I am very blessed with both my family, even though we're a little crazy, my my Baltimore family and my family up here. I also know that my family up here are really good at being right. They, they're not mean about it. They're just, they make the right decision. They're, they're like perfect and they seek perfection. And man, did I feel dumb having to tell my father-in-law that I got duped for money. I just like, it just was not my favorite thing. And it's so interesting to me because I didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't a decision where I just knowingly ran down. I was like, oh, he'll be back, right? He'll come. And it's amazing the weight of what I can believe and then tie myself to. And so as we're walking through this, last week we talked about this idea of what a false teacher might mean, why it might matter, uh, and recognizing that there is some messed up situations where people are out to seek and destroy, right? But with that, I also want to set in front of us today, we're going to kind of talk about two things, both one, how it comes about, and then two, I have to ask myself the question— How did I get here? How did I end up, right? And if we're going to walk through it together and go, a lot of times what happens is that person plays on something in me 
that I actually am looking for them to fill. Right? They're using something that I've gone through. They're playing to some pain. They're trying to fix something in our lives, whatever it is. There's a portion of me that pours into it, that wants to be a part of it. And so we're going to walk through this together. Okay, so uh, if we go all the way back to verse 2, we have to remind ourselves, at the end of the day, the Bible says there will be false prophets among you. Right? A little bit of recap from last week. There will be false, there will be false teachers among you. So we can't actually just act like it's never going to happen. If Scripture is pretty clear that this is going to happen, we go, okay, then we need to pay attention, right? And I'm convinced that part of the reasons that false teachers exist is because when we finally realize that we were taken, when you finally come up from the conversation, when you finally kind of pull back, the shame that we all experience keeps us from telling other people, right? So you went through the situation, you realized, you finally realized truth, you came out of it and we go, you know what? I can't tell anybody else because of I got duped, right? I don't want to share. I don't even want anybody to know. I don't, I don't want like the embarrassment of it all that someone did this to me, right? It could be relationally friend to friend. It could be um, from an organization, right? It could be something that we don't even know and we just completely go, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want anybody to know. But that perpetuates the system. And this plays out all the time because instead of sharing the hope of freedom that you just came out from a lie, that you just came out from it, the fear of admitting the truth keeps us and then keeps others enslaved. So let me pause here for a second, because I think this is important. Instead of us experiencing and celebrating, man, God opened my eyes. God changed my heart. God moved in me. God pulled me up out of this situation. Instead of us as the body of Christ sharing those moments together, what we do is we go, oh no. I'm going to pull back a little further. I'm going to pull back. Because the hope is, the ultimate goal for all of us is to get our eyes off ourselves and onto Jesus, right? The goal of all things is to get our eyes off ourselves and onto Jesus. A pastor that I follow calls this, this navel gazing. Everybody know what navel gazing is? When you look down this, if this is all you can see, you can't see anything else in life. You can't see what Jesus is doing. You can't see what the world is, any of those things, right? And so the point of all of it is to get our eyes off of Jesus, okay? And this is a quote that I've been texting my friends. Uh, we've been walking through a bunch of situations. And so if you write anything down today, this is what I encourage you. This is a quote from Paul David Tripp. All things are an instrument of God's grace to make, him, to make us more like him. Every single situation we go through, even when we get duped, right? Doesn't mean God did it, but even when we get duped, all things are an instrument of God's grace to make us more like him. So just pause for a second. Think about the situations you're working through in your life. If that statement's true, God is using that thing to make you more like him. Okay? 
Now, if you're like me, after the tree incident, I started thinking, man, I'm never going to get taken ever again. It's not going to happen. Not on my watch. Never will I ever get taken. Three weeks later, I fell for something else. I promise you, it's just the way it happened, right? But it's just the way it is, is instead of going, man, God, apparently you needed me to be there. Apparently I needed to work through this situation. Apparently I needed this opportunity. Instead, I go, that's never happening to me again. And so what they did was wrong, right? He took my money. He cut no tree. He did all, like, there's a, it's all wrong, right? But what I realized is there was things under the surface that God wanted to get through. Jared, if you don't ever want to deal with conflict, you just go, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. Here you go. Just go. It's fine. I trust you. But God said, Jay, you've got, there's situations underneath of this situation that I actually want to get through. What they did was wrong, but the question keeps being asked, what are the moments underneath that people are praying on, they're seeking to use against you? So if you and I, many of us have experienced organizational hurt, Everybody know what organizational hurt is? An organization has hurt you, okay? Sometimes it's tied to a person, but an organization has hurt you. It's important to hear it was wrong, right? But the long-term question is going, what might be the pain that Jesus is trying to get to and what is he after? All right, so we're going to walk through the verses together. Uh, the interesting thing is we, or I'm going to kind of parcel these together a little bit. But verse 12 and 13, blaspheming about matters, they are ignorant. Everybody knows somebody that talks a lot about a thing but has never experienced it, right? It could be a sports-related thing. They're like, man, I'm really good at this. I've done this. And then you find out they didn't make it out of middle school basketball, Right? You ever experienced stuff like that where the interesting thing, right? Scripture is pointing to a, this is people talking about Jesus but having no relationship with him. Okay? If we go back like we did last time in Genesis where Satan is in the garden and Satan is just simply saying to Eve, hey, you, God didn't say that. God said this, but he didn't say all of that. He didn't say you're surely die, right? And this is what Satan's after, right? He comes to seek and destroy. He uses pieces of incomplete truths to hook us. Again, anybody excited about admitting they're getting duped? No. But it's the truth of the matter that in many things in our lives, there are pieces of truth that hook us and take us and keep us and then shame afterwards, which we never walk out of. And if we're honest, the things that hook us are truths that mean something to us. Okay? And this same process that Satan uses is what the teachers were using. They would use some sort of truth. They'd talk about Jesus. They'd talk about his grace, talk about his love. But they themselves had never experienced what they're talking about.
Now they would say, they wouldn't tell you like, hey, I'm here to distract you from your cause in following Jesus. If you ever meet somebody like that, that'd be super fun. Could you imagine? It'd be much easier to avoid being duped. Hey, I'm wearing this shirt that tells you all the ways that I'm going to try to lie to you today. It would make my life much easier, right? I also, when I was younger, envisioned, you know, like those red ticker tape signs uh, that like read like, uh, sometimes they look like lottery signs or they tell you what's for sale or something like that. It'd be so much easier if all of our thoughts were right up over there, right? Be a little scary at the same time. But this is what happens. Most would not openly admit to their goal of trying to distract, but their instincts, as scripture says, is they only know pain. The irony happens when they speak of grace and mercy and love and sacrifice that scripture calls us to, but they don't do that. In leadership, in people that you know, especially in the Christian faith, if someone talks about grace and mercy and love and sacrifice and they don't actually do the same, you should be worried. Right? Doesn't mean they're perfect. But it's something that you got to go, okay, uh, you talk about grace a lot, but in situations, if you don't actually show grace to people ever, then you might be missing the boat. And this is where I want to press on us a little bit this morning. If we're honest, it's easier to follow a person than it is to follow Jesus. It is easier to follow a person than it is to follow Jesus because the physical presence presents us with ways to engage a person, right? If we're honest, it's easier to interact with me sometimes than it would be to take a step of faith towards Jesus, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? A physical person is easier to interact with sometimes than it is Jesus. Because we can hug them. I'm a big hugger. We can listen to them. We can be near them, right? And I would argue this is both a blessing and a hard moment because it presents an opportunity for the truth of the gospel. Who do I follow? Jesus or a person? That's why at here we're always going to tell you we want you to take a step of faith towards Jesus, not towards 717. We want you to grow in your faith towards Jesus, not towards 717. The church is a part of it, but it is not the end goal. And these same things can just kind of pacify us a little bit oh, you know what, that person's so great. We're going to follow them. They're going to be great, and I don't have to do anything. I can just show up to church. I can just hang out. I don't have to take a step of faith because, man, they're dynamic. Look what's happening. Look what's going on. I'll give you an example. If I stood up here week after week and bashed things that you also don't like, we can easily live under the same common enemy instead of following Jesus, right? If I stood up here and we all had the disagreement, if we could all find one thing we don't like, right, whatever it is, and I picked at it over and over and over, and then we had this common thing like, oh my word, they're okay. They're, I, we disagree on, the, we agree that we both disagree with that. We could come and be together all the time and never actually take a step of faith right? You see how easy it can be? I am looking for comfort in my natural self. I am looking for comfort. And the same might be true of you. And so what I can easily settle for is a common enemy instead of a step of faith towards Jesus, right? 
All right. And this is the weight that pastors have to carry is they can not own, they cannot be perfect. But my life should be marked by the same thing that your life should be marked by, which is grace, mercy, love, sacrifice towards what God's calling us to. Steps of humility, service, always pointing to Jesus, not to me. All right? So that's kind of what we're talking about when we talk about blaspheming for things that don't matter. So when we talk about reveling in deceptions while they feast with you, think about this. Think about the people that you eat with. Some of them you're like, man, that's actually an awful thought, right? Like there's food flying everywhere. There's all kinds of things happening. But think about the people that actually get to sit and have a meal with you. And this is why we talk about hospitality, because when you actually bring someone into your house, when you actually have a meal with them, it means something, right? In America, if somebody's made it all the way to your kitchen table, that says a whole lot about how much you like them, right? And we're honest, we're like, oh, letting people in to my house? I don't know. One, I have to clean my house, and I'm not cool with that. But then there's two, like, if, what if we, you know, like gluten, ugh, you know, whatever it might be. Just kidding, babe. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize, right? Uh, <laughs> right? The best shows, though, right? When I was growing up, the best shows were the ones that it was easy. Like most kids' shows, you can find the bad guy pretty easy. If you ever want something really, like, mind-bending, look up, Salty the songbook, Risky Rat. Risky Rat, that will mess with you. And that's what I grew up on. So the bad guy was always easy to see. But the truth of it is, if we're honest, most shows that are really good, it's hard to find the bad guy in the show. Right? Verse 13 reminds us that they're going to be close enough to eat with us, but not so bad they're easy to get rid of. Think about that. That's what scripture is saying is those people, you're going to feast with them. They're going to be close enough for you to share a meal with, but they might not even be clear as far as their intention and you're not sure. There seems to be a connection with how close we let them in and their ability to hide themselves. This matters because we live in a spiritual battle and have to constantly work to keep our eyes on Jesus. If you're like me, those close to me have a much better chance of getting me off track than some random stranger. Those closest to me are the ones that are easiest to get me off track. Now, this does not mean be like, I'm done with people. I'm not talking to a single person ever again. I'm an introvert and I built a wall, right? That's not what we're talking about. But it's amazing that those closest to us are the situations that can so easily get us turned off of what Jesus is doing. It doesn't mean it fixes all the time, but it gets us off of that and onto navel gazing. Right? Okay. Now here's what I want to walk through quickly. This is throughout the couple verses, there's some uh, characteristics of those uh, that are false teachers, right? Number one, eyes full of adultery. I'm going to walk through a couple of the verses. They have eyes full of adultery. They entice by sensual passion. They tie themselves to you walking towards something that is not from Jesus. Number three, 
They offer freedom. In our lives, especially in where we live, there is constant mention of freedom, but people offer freedom and then tie it back to something else that keeps you enslaved. Right? You're free, you're free, you're free. Actually, you need to give 1095 to uh, this thing so that you can continue to receive freedom. That's a ridiculous example, but it's amazing how it can be like that. Right? And towards the end of our section, it says, for whatever overcomes a person, to that they are enslaved. All right. These are huge statements, and we're going to go through them. And I, and, but when you read them, you go, I wouldn't fall for that. If you knew when you walked up to somebody and they had eyes full of adultery, would you fall for that easily? No. Right? That's not even possible. You'd be like, no, get away. Right? You had the t-shirt on. I understand. You're messed up. Get away from me. Right? But instead, there's this truth that goes, actually, it's a slight turn from truth towards what I want, and I get caught. And so I've been processing the ver end of verse 19, for whatever overcomes a person, to that they are enslaved. Freedom is a common thing that is peddled, yet it usually ties us to something else. Instead of asking the real question, which is this, whatever you're trying to get away from, why haven't you taken it to Jesus? When people peddle freedom, the freedom is I've taken all of my stuff and given it to Jesus. It's his. This is where a physical human being that is present is easy to follow because we can see them. We can connect with them. All right. Oh, man. Okay. I put way too much content in, so I'm going to walk backwards a little bit, okay? A couple things. Number one, uh, entice unsteady souls. Again, most of us would not say that we're unsteady souls, but this is where I'm at in my life right now, is I am walking through like a lot of things with myself and other people, and this is what I keep reminding. They're looking for answers, and this is what I keep encouraging them with. I'm not normally like, hey, here's four things to be better, but this is what I really believe is that when we're walking through situations and there's no easy answer, what are your pillars? And by pillars, I mean, how has God created you and what should you be doing? And so if you're not sure what to do in the situation or the pain you're in right now or the things that are going through, if you're not sure, find out what your pillars are and do them over and over and over until God moves with an answer. Okay, so let me give your I'll give you my pillars, okay? My pillars, okay? These sound super spiritual, but I don't do them all the time and I get sideways. Number one, caring for others. If I simply turn from doing all the drama, the navel gazing, and simply try to focus on caring for others, the whole thing shifts back to what God's doing. Number two, working. When I work, Okay? It focuses me. It gives me structure. Number three, sharing joy. And number four, hugging someone. Sounds ridiculous. But when I hug someone, it reminds me God's at work. Right? And so what I'm encouraging you is, what are the pillars that God has gifted you to do that you easily get distracted from? because I do, instead of doing 
what God's calling you to. So if you're in a season of waiting, don't do anything. Don't just keep asking the same question. Step into your pillars. That's what I offer you, encouragement, okay? All right, the way of Balaam. Guys, this was, there's was a whole bunch there, and I was like super excited, but I put too much in, and we're going to walk through this. The point of it is he was out for hire. It was a man who had spiritual ability but was easily bought. He got easily distracted. He would come and buy something. They could basically pay him off for a blessing or a cursing. He could be bought, okay? All right, we're going to finish with this. Verse 20 to 21. To know the truth and turn back. Most of us would go, nah, that's not me. I, don't, I, I know the truth, but I don't want to turn back. For many of us, we know the Bible, but it, when it gets to the point where we have to take a step, we often turn back. You know what I mean? You go, Scripture's telling me something. Scripture's working on it. Scripture's asking me to do something. And I go, I'm going to go back over here. So we know Scripture. We know what God's calling us to. We know we're supposed to forgive somebody. We know we're supposed to show humility or grace. We know we're supposed to seek to bring peace to people, right? We know those things. But when we get to the point of actually having to do it, we go, I'm going to go back over here. You say, Jer, why did we spend two weeks on false prophets? Why does this matter? Because it's easier to point out a TV preacher that is only after money. It's harder to see those close to us. And there's no foolproof plan to avoid it. Because we're all broken people. The point is, Jesus is asking this, will you let me heal the pain that you're carrying? Jesus is asking every single one of us, will you actually let me deal with the pain that you're carrying? You're hiding it? Or will you wait for the next dynamic personality to come through that makes you feel good and keeps you comfortable in your pain? I'm going to say that again. The point is Jesus is asking to get to the things you're hiding. Or are you going to wait for the next dynamic personality or situation that comes through and makes you feel good and comfortable in your pain? Freedom in Jesus starts and ends with submission of all things to him. Freedom in Jesus starts and ends with submission of all things to him. The truth for all of us is there is hope today for whatever we're in, wherever we're at, because he knows you, he loves you, he came for you. Right? Not because of anything you did, because of what he is doing. The fear that owns us is a reminder that there's only one who knows all things. Think about this. The fear that we each struggle with, the anxiety that we carry, is actually a reminder of who God is and what he's done. Because it's opposite of the fear that we're carrying. The pain from broken relationships can only be healed by a forgiveness that comes from one who carried all sin and paid for it on the cross. You see, false teaching plays on something we're hiding. And this is why Jesus invites us into the light. He says, come take, 
Come, come sit with me. Come be with me. There is hope and freedom, not for perfection now, but that this is not the end. There's more to us. We are his, and nothing can change that. Jesus is king today. Jesus will be king tomorrow. What's your move? And so every time we're together, we finish with a couple questions, and we just mean this is an opportunity to go, okay, God, we heard from your word. What do I need to do? Okay? This is the uh, spot for the Holy Spirit to work through. Okay? Now, the questions I wrote, sometimes they make complete sense. I always say, if it doesn't make sense, just blame Jeremiah. That's the easiest thing, right? But number one, as we walk through Scripture today, we talked about the fact that sometimes we talk about things that we know nothing about, right? What are the things that you talk about but know nothing about, right? If we claim grace and we say grace when we go to church or we say we want to give grace, but we don't actually show grace, that might be something that God wants to work in, okay? Number two, what are the things that your eyes are on and what is it saying? Scripture often says that our eyes locked on to something, right? It can easily tie us to it. And so what we see can easily be something that we want, we keep, we own, whatever it might be, okay? What are the things your eyes are on and what is it saying? Number three, most of, our, most of us view ourselves as steady. What would you say steadies you? Right? No one ever wants to claim their own steady. Actually, some people are fun. They say, I'm a hot mess, right? Like most times you interact with me, I'm like, oh, I'm a hot mess today. And you're like, yeah, we know, right? But this is the truth. We say that we're steady, but what is the things that actually steady you? Is it my work? Is it what I produce? Is it what I do? Whatever those things, what do they steady you? And what does that tie to with your faith? Okay? And last one. Last week, or every time we're together, we pray for a local church. We believe we're a part of the kingdom. We are a part of the body of Christ. We want all churches that love Jesus to succeed. And so we want to take a moment and go, Jared, none of these questions really impact me. I want, hey, take a moment and pray for Lydis Mennonite. Okay? All right. So uh, this is, we're going to play a little bit of music. Simple thing. Don't overthink it. Is this going, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? What do you want to move in? Okay? And then I'll come back and pray, and then Sean will give us some direction. Father, thank you for who you are. And uh, Father, thank you for what you are doing. And so, Father, uh, you are constantly, uh, with loving, uh, graceful, mercy-filled moments, bringing us closer to yourself. And so, Father, uh, if I'm honest, there's many times where I just... Father, I love something else more than I love you. And so the hope today is going, Father, help me to turn. May your grace uh, remind me where you're at and what you're doing. So Father, help us today. Thank you for the hope that you give us. Father, thank you that we're not lost. Instead, we are living in these moments and you have given them to us uh, to both make us more like you and to speak your name to others. Thank you, God, for being a part of today. Thank you for your word. And Father, may we trust you a little bit more today. In your name, amen.
Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what his word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.